0: I've seen anything like that. I'm a very confident front runner
1: for carried for 33 years, 145 wins now, and that's the best win I've ever had. I have no idea what you have. I don't know. How are we going to count all the shots? I, I, I can't keep track. Suck! God damn it! I don't
0: think he's pleased.
1: Of course he would. That's a particularly stupid question. let they are I Of course we want to play at the weekend.
2: Okay, folks, you're welcome along. Bumper Major pod coming your way. We've had three thus far. We have had Matsuyama at the Masters. We've had Phil, of course, at Kiwi. We have had John Ram at Torrey Pines. What lies in store at Royal St. George's? We're about to find out. We are locked and loaded. Dermacolese chat already up and waiting for you, but this is our Bumper British Open podcast. Peter Laurie, hello. Hello, Joe. Nathan Murphy, hello to you. How's it going? If you want, I won't stand for people who tell me I can't call it the British Open. I'll call it what I damn well like. <laughs> I'm going to call it Glory's Last Shot. Well, indeed. Oh, um, i got to say I'm pumped. It's a beautiful sunny day in Dublin this Wednesday. I have the practice airflow balls out in the back garden. And, Peter, my ball flight is pristine. I am going to be in and out all across the next four days, watching golf, hitting golf shots, win, rinse, wash, repeat type thing. Oh. The plan? Lucky
3: you, Joe. Lucky you see, you. you say
1: that now. Like Sunday is going to be a difficult. It's going to be a difficult weekend for a lot of people because the weather in Ireland is going to be as good as it's been all year. Like they're talking 25, 26 degrees Oof. all weekend. And you're going to be spending all day Saturday and all day Sunday inside watching the golf. Mm. That is correct.
0: It, it reminds <laughs> me a bit of the eighty-two and eighty-six World Cups. Everything you just said, Joe. So it would be two matches a day. And in between matches, it was up to the field, like me and nine of my neighbors all playing like these Mm. like endless eight asides that just went on and on and on. And then it was like, Mm. oh, let's get back, watch the match. And then and because it was summer, so you had like this long stretch in the evening. So you'd be back out again. Oh, brilliant stuff.
2: Yes. So our plan for Sunday is to do a watch along at one o'clock Sunday watch along one o'clock Sunday. The leaders go out maybe around 20 past two. So we figured that's a good spot to have the watch along. So if you're enjoying the weather in the back garden, bring us out there with you and uh, we'll come at you at one o'clock. And then for change, I guess, because the time difference allows it, as in there is no time of difference, we're going to record our review podcast on Sunday evening. So we're coming at you hot on Sunday, fresh from the wind for Rory McIlroy, and uh, we'll give you our hot takes there. So it'll be available first thing Monday morning if that's when you want to listen to it. By the way, at some stage over the next few weeks, as this handicap system beds in, I just wanted to mention it because I'm just finding it very, very volatile. I don't know how it's been received out there. Certainly it's complicated, right? It's, It's complicated and it's hard to figure it out. And there was a certain comfort in finishing your end going, oh, that's my point one back or, oh, I finished with 38 points so that's going to be 0.4 off my handicap that was nice I missed that I have to say but I can live with the fact that this is more accurate but it's definitely more volatile as well so I played just the other day and I had like 35 points and I thought it's fine you know decent good not gonna have any great difference in my handicap and I went out about a shot and so I went and had a look at the handicap situation it takes your last 20 scores in so much as I can see and it takes your eight best scores of your last 20 So a bit like a Jane JNLR in the radio where you lose a good book from a long time ago, I lost one of my best rounds of the last, say, year. I lost a 77 gross. It disappeared and I replaced it with an 80 something. So I went out a shot, even though I'd shot, you know, 35 points and it seemed volatile. Like before you could only go up a shot maybe across a whole year of 10 bad rounds in a row kind of thing. So I don't know if other weekend warriors are having that
3: experience. Joe, is this your way of asking me for a lesson?
2: <laughs> no. I, <laughs> is, it, this is this is...
3: just your way of just going around the world and yeah. going, Peter, really, I'm playing shit. I need a lesson. Can you give it to me? But that's my point. I the answer is no, this. Joe. I,
2: I don't, well, okay, I'll leave. I, had, I came in with 35 points. So in old money, that would have been negligible. I don't think that would have affected your handicap at all. And I think that's right. Whereas in this instance, because one of my eight best scores, my 77 from whenever at the end of last summer, was now no longer factored in. It had a devastating effect on my handicap. I kind of would have accepted it in a weird way if I had played badly, but it just was a bit of a shock when you come in with 35 points and then it turns out you lose one of your best scores and it can have a big effect on your handicap. So struck me as a
0: bit too volatile, I would have said. There was, um, there was an interesting few comments on Discord during the week where they were talking about, particularly with like a whole glut of people who are putting in cards to get a handicap now and they're being given handicaps of like 45 or whatever and uh did you see i can't now i can't remember exactly but there was someone who lost a competition on 48 points but yeah. they lost by five points or something like who wins a competition of 53 points that's the maddest yeah. thing
2: some yeah. reports of that i presume those you know 54 handicappers who win get absolutely destroyed oh yeah uh subsequently anyway I, I, i'm just sowing that seed i'd be curious on yeah. discord if you want to come back and give us some thoughts it's something we might talk about at some stage over the next couple of weeks now that the major season is dying down ever so slightly but that's enough of that royal st george's kent southeast of england it's 15 the hosting of the open third most after st andrews in muirfield darren clark obviously won there on five under in 2011 ben curtis was one under so this is tough Nathan, the euphemism that is being handed out to Royal St. George's is quirky. It's quirky. What does that even mean? Is all links golf not quirky?
1: I think by quirky, they mean you can hit a good shot and it'll end up in three feet of rough. That you can hit your ball straight down the middle of the fairway, but there's so many undulations that one bad bounce can sort of destroy your round. I was there in 2011 when Darren Clark won and... Uh, it doesn't, From a spectator point of view, it doesn't feel very different from any other Open Championship. I do remember being very crowded that there was a lot of the way the dunes are laid out. And I think some of the dunes around Royal St. George are a lot bigger than a lot of other Open Championship venues. That when you're trying to watch it, there's, you're kind of constantly crushing into different people. Um, but like the constant quirkiness, that's all anyone seems to have to say about it. It seems to be a sort of excuse. Like, maybe, maybe when we look back and you go through the winners and you say Ben Curtis and Darren Clark and Darren Clark at the time, nowhere near where he was at the peak of his career, it suggests that there's a freakishness to it, but actually behind them on the leaderboards was pretty much the best players in the world every time. So yes, they rose at the right time, but like the best players will still be in contention come Sunday. I would expect.
2: Dermot Cleese was on with us on off the ball the other night and He said that Jack Nicholas, who did not like the place, said that it was the only course where you could hit the middle of the fairway and lose your ball.
1: Well, it was interesting listening to Lee Westwood in his press conference this morning because they've had a lot of rain in that part of England over the last uh, few months. Now, it's dry at the moment, but everyone's saying that actually it's a lot softer than it normally is. And the rough is right up. So the rough is as heavy as you will see at an open. They're saying since '99, potentially a Carnoustie, that that's what it's like. And he was talking to Martin Slumbers, who runs the tournament. And Martin Slumbers had told him that if it continues to dry out, if the weather gets really good, they're actually going to water the fairways to keep it that little bit softer. Because obviously they can't have the heavy rough and the rock hard traditional open fairways because it will then just be completely unfair. You could hit the perfect shot and not just end up in a bit of rough, but mm. end up in five footer rough and your tournament gone. Uh, which I, I can't imagine. There've been too many occasions of them watering fairways at open championships.
3: Mm. Peter, have you played it? I played it a long time ago. Um, good golf course. Um, lots of kind of. Semi-blind tee shots, semi-blind. You know, you're hitting it at, at certain points. Can't really see where it runs out to. Um, but I, I'd agree with uh, Nathan there. You know, most major tournaments. You know, you, you all the best players in the world will get to the top of the leaderboard. But as you said, Ross and Georgia seems to have a a certain area where the unknown wins are not maybe not the unknown be a bit unfair to Darren Clark to say the unknown wins but mm. you know somebody just coming out of the boat to to get ahead so they get that lucky bounce or they get that lucky break um but yeah a good golf course but probably not one of my favorites that they have on a uh, open rota
2: No, most players have said that, really. The nicest thing I heard about the course this week is Rory McIlroy saying it's not as bad as I remember in 2011, (laughs) which is faint praise. I think
1: it's that first hole, isn't it? So the first hole probably sums it up. You stand up and you look out at it, and it's very hard, firstly, to pick a spot. But even if you do pick a spot, again, so many undulations. You don't know if you land in that perfect spot on the first tee where your ball is actually going to end up. And golfers now, everything is so Mm. precise. To have that it throws them completely out of kilter. So it's, it's maybe why a, an outsider can win, that they do get that little bit of luck, or maybe their expectations are lower and they don't get quite as frustrated as other players do. But I think in 2011, I think it was Jerry Kelly, the American, had an 11 on the first hole. <laughs> you can imagine uh, it, like that happening this week. But
2: so, well, I was just reading Tiger Woods lost his ball on the first hole when Ben Curtis won, and he had a seven. Yeah, and obviously... Curtis didn't win by much. So, you know, these things can happen. The weather is supposed to be good, good being dry. But there will be 18 mile an hour winds, which are not nothing. Um, On calm days, it seems this course has been there for the taking. To be fair, that's true of many links courses. But, you know, when Norman won in 93, I think he did 64 and Faldo had a 63. So those scores are out there on calmer days. We will have crowds of 32,000 a day by comparison with Kiowa, there were 15,000 a day. So 32,000 a day will be in each day. Like the eclectic honors list is a contradiction in terms. You do have Ben Curtis 396th in the world in 2003. You do have Clark who for all his talent was a 200 to one shot at the time. Then you have Greg Norman in 93. Nobody can obviously say anything against a Greg Norman win. Sandy Lyle has won here. Then equally Bill Rogers beat Nicholas and Watson I saw as well, Henry Cotton won his third and Bobby Locke, the first of his fourth, opens respectively. So when you've Cotton and Locke winning there, that's, you know, three-time Open winner, four-time Open winner winning. So it seems like lots of cream still comes to the top at this course, but there is maybe more of a possibility, Fionn, of a surprise.
0: Yeah, but I, yeah, I, 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 you, you're making the point I was going to make. I think that the last two winners uh, perhaps uh, were unexpected. But Darren Clark one of the reasons or one of the factors that, that contributed to his win other than just his good play was the fact that Dustin went OB on 14 and blew his chances. Mm. Um, but then you go back, you know, J.H. Taylor was the first winner, one of the best players of his generation. Harry Varden, uh, Walter Hagen won here twice. I mean, you're talking about some of the premier names in the history of golf. So I, I, I just, I think that's, it's an interesting take for a Nicholas, and I'm not going to obviously debate Jack Nicholas on the merits or otherwise of one links course over another. But, but as you said, it's like, you know, there's some noteworthy winners here. There's some big, big names. And like, I, I don't have the list of winners, say at, um, Muirfield, but I'd wager there's some, there's some kind of not unknowns, but some unlikely winners there as well funny,
2: Muirfield is when I was there in 2013 and I do remember the build up and if this week the word quirky has been used a lot, the word that was used a lot about Muirfield in 2013 was fair, they kept talking about how fair Muirfield was, it's all out in front of you, that was almost like the fairest of the courses there's going to be some chaos that much seems apparent Peter, would you class it as tough, I mentioned five under winning
3: score and one under, Curtis the only player under par, so tough See, it all depends on what the RNA do. Um, like you look at it now, the setup at this moment in time is soft with the rough exceptionally heavy. Now, will the RNA go in, as they've done in the past, on a Wednesday evening and decide, okay, the rough is a little bit drier, we'll cut it and cut it back a little bit to give players a little bit more room? And they've done that in the past. So you'd have to think uh, anybody who keeps it within the bounds of, you know, uh, the fairway to semi-rough will, will, will certainly not, you know, knock up a number. But if you're hitting it a little bit of wind as well, you know, way offline, um, you could really, as we've seen in the past, you know, knock up an 11, 10, 9, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um. Then there's a couple of holes where you know the out of bounds is very tight. Um. 14. So we're going to see a couple of disasters, all right. But yeah. um. Ah, look. But look at the quality. The way it looks Liverpool at
1: the is moment. Behind. A, like but, you know, so Ben Curtis won, and it was a massive shock. It was his first ever major. But he beat Thomas Bjorn by a shot, and Bjorn collapsed on the final few holes. Couldn't yeah. get out of the bunker. Bjorn was probably the best European player around at that stage. Vijay Singh was a shot behind. Tiger and Davis Love are two shots behind. Likewise, as Fionn said, like Dustin Johnson had a brilliant chance to win in 2011. Ah. Phil Mickelson came second. Anthony Kim, Ricky Fowler. All those guys are there. It, the only difference between now and then is that like we don't seem to get surprise winners of majors, really, over no. the last decade, almost since Clark, that kind of Keegan Bradley time. You know, there, there was a Todd Hamilton, a Ben Curtis around then. There was a few others thrown into the mix. Now the cream seems to come to the top. Mm. Every single time. and like Even Ben Curtis, I know it was his first win, but i would not have a really good career. won not many more times on the PGA Tour, played
2: Ryder Cup. It's true. Mm. We're making it sound like it's crazy golf. We're making it sound like we've a chance out here.
3: Well, that, yeah, no, happen, I nice. think no. it can happen. I think. <laughs> I, as I said to you, I think if we rocked up, you might get a chance to play. If, if you look at all the uh, withdrawals, it's unbelievable.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, our, our boy, boy
1: Troy managed to get in nice yeah. there's been any amount of players so uh Danny Lee um so some uh, Matty obviously gone mm, what um Bob has gone but there's so who else was on oh, the chart like, Tro- Tro- like, Tro- 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 was Merritt was fifth alternate and he got in on I think it was last Sunday and there's been six seven more withdrawals since then
3: mm-hmm. Zach Johnson mm. Zach Johnson that's who I was trying to remember yeah, yeah. okay by the way
2: Go ahead.
1: Sorry, Sorry,
3: did did Troy make it over in time? Yeah, with yeah. The you're, obviously, you're, you're
2: obviously
1: you're uh, obviously big fans of Golf Weekly. And listen to the interview he did for 40 minutes yesterday.
3: Yeah, but well, that was yesterday, <laughs> Troy.
1: <laughs> <Nathan>. <laughs> I, I can't tell you him, what
3: though. I was doing yesterday, but I was rather busy.
2: I hope you stuck it to him, Nathan, and asked the hard questions about his
3: screw. Oh, yeah. Up. Can't
2: believe,
1: yeah, can't believe can't
3: believe he cost us all that cash. Yeah. Nathan has to be, whoever Nathan backs this week, I'm going with him because he has to be one of the luckiest people, right? I'm just going with Troy, you know? I he's very good at it. Picks a week to go on holidays and we have a heat wave on the way. He's just one of the luckiest guys I know. He's got it all. You make your own
0: luck. Yeah.
2: By the way, I Ben heard. Curtis, you and Murray and the Guardian had the smart idea. We should have thought of this ourselves. He uh, caught up with Ben Curtis. What's Ben Curtis up to all these years later? So on Sunday, Ben Curtis, he says, will be staging a charity brunch in a quiet corner of Ohio. 60 guests will learn what it was like to win a British Open at Royal St. George's from the man who did it in 03. And he's 44 years of age now, Curtis. I mean, he's still not that old. 44, like, um, I just would have had him down as so much older. He's obviously, what age was he when he won it? God, he was a kid. Uh, he stopped playing competitively in 2017. So Curtis says to you and Murray, I'm at peace with it. I still watch golf occasionally. There were multiple things, but I was just tired of being away from family. When they're young, they can travel. but that becomes very difficult as they get into school. And he told some nice stories about the win. He said, I was going back to the airport afterwards with Tiger's agent. He was on the phone to Tiger. He turned to me and said, Tiger would like to speak with you. So Tiger got on the phone and congratulated him. And he says of the week, I was so relaxed. Every time I won, I was in a similar state of mind. Nothing bothered me. When you're not playing your best, you just want everything to go right. You go out for dinner, the food takes an extra 15, 20 minutes, and then you let that bother you, which bleeds into other stuff. I was so relaxed. As you alluded to, Nathan, he won three other times in the PGA Tour. He played in the 2008 Ryder Cup winning team. So it's not like he had a dud of a career. And he's 44 years of age. That's where he'll be on Sunday having a brunch, charity brunch, and it's in The Guardian if you want to have a read of that.
1: I know he's not the first golfer to uh, retire early or take a step back, but he could play the Open until he's 60. Yeah, It's strange that there's not one part of him that thinks, why will just go and chance it? Like, uh, why, why not just go and sure, screw it. If I finish 20 over par, David Duval is probably going to finish 25 over par, so I'll be grand. But why not go and maybe something just clicks I have no pressure on myself and I make the cut, I make a handy few quid and maybe I give myself a chance. Like you could play for another 16 years and you're saying, nah, not for me.
2: I know. Like if you're looking for inspiration for a long shot winner here, Ben, I mean, you know, he was asked about that and he said he has no interest in going over there for two days and just waving at the crowd. He says if he goes back, he wants to be competitive, which is interesting. So that's where he is. Now he says his mates ring him a lot and volunteer to caddy for the next 16 years like they are just like dude <laughs> what are you doing here can we not go over to the open can I not be your caddy why are we not doing this every year for the next 16 years but that's where he is so that was Ben Curtis we are going to wrap things up if you're a non-subscriber so come join us on patreon.com search Golf Weekly there 3.99 per month plus VAT and you'll get all the bells and whistles so we will say goodbye to you if you're a non-subscriber hopefully you'll come and join us
3: Oh